Yeah, it looks like real life. Okay, Alex, you were about to say something about uh, Red Smoke episode 12, yeah. Yes, because it's about Game of Thrones, right? Yeah, and right. I enjoyed this show a whole lot. Um, mm. Except, for, I was going to say, except for the last season. Obviously. But because, because, yeah, everyone hates it. And compared to the others, it was really bad. And you could tell they mm. just had to finish it somehow, quickly. But it had some, some, some nice scenes, I guess. But generally, it was nowhere near even close to the quality of the prior seasons. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the thing is, I always wanted to talk about this show after, you know... My my head is a little bit cooled down, and it's uh, it's interesting what you remember from it. Like, it, it, actually, it's been almost two years since the disastrous finale. And it, wait, it was, wait, wait, wait! It's been two years already. It's been two years already. It's uh, yeah. I Damn. was I was checking it before on IMDb, and the last episode aired in May, twenty nineteen. And I'm wow. like, I'm like, dude, time flies, doesn't it? Yes, yes, that's crazy. <laughs> and you know, but but by no means. I mean, I mean it's mostly going to be like a, a praise or a character study of this whole thing today. But, dude, uh, by no means I'm going to say that this show was a piece of shit in the end of the uh, in the eighth epi- uh, in the eighth season. That that was disastrous, no. man. I'm, I'm, I still remember it. How I, I like what you said the, uh, that you said. Uh, you know, this, the season eight, I, I didn't like it because everyone else didn't like it or something like that. That's like, <laughs> like what you said there. Uh, yeah, it's so, but, but what it's interesting is it's been two years now, right? And I'm look, I look back on it and actually I remember the good things. You know, when I look back on Game of Thrones, I think that's a good show, actually. Oh, yes. You know, absolutely. Of course, there's this bitter taste of uh season seven i would say as well and season eight of course but apart from that it's actually a i would say it's a brilliant good show intelligently written and all that yes absolutely um i don't even know where to start but generally it was not not just because the foundation the books are obviously well written so i wouldn't say it's easier than to make a good show but it's definitely you don't need to come up with a whole story right right but even then, because the basic story is very deep and very like lengthy unfolding, mm-hmm. it's still not easy, I think, to make a good show out of it. But they definitely managed that. So it was really interesting, very interesting, and very mm-hmm. yeah, you were very on the edge of your seat anytime you watched <laughs> one of these episodes. And I remember uh, was it in the first yeah in the first season, episode seven or something, when mm-hmm. Ned Stark sorry when Sean Bean like almost always dies mm-hmm. spoiler alert <laughs> um <laughs> so that's when ned stark almost always dies like like ned stark is a character in the <laughs> yes in westeros <laughs> like <laughs> damn it yeah i mix it up <laughs> but anyway um yes i just was this was just something completely new that the mm. main character which was introduced like as the main character yes just dies in the first season and he was like you were like, what the hell is going on here? And I enjoyed that. Obviously, I'm not like enjoying people dying, but enjoying the fact that they just write something completely new there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't just them. It was the, the story itself, obviously. But still, uh, I don't think this, at least not in this scenario, happened before. And then, obviously, Game of Thrones sort of became famous, infamous for 
its gore and its sexuality. Mm-hmm. But it definitely was a key part of it. And I'm actually glad they displayed this so heavily because I think this is a, a big part of the times this plays in. Not just fantasy, but also because it's sort of set up in a like medieval yeah, time medieval frame. Time, yeah. Yes, and these were rough times. Mm-hmm. And I think this was displayed quite well. It, it, there's this nice sense of when when Sean Bean characters uh, when Sean Bean's character died, it was you know as as a as a viewer you get the sense of okay anything can happen now, yeah and 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 I don't think I ever had this like on any other show because uh, there's like always this sense of uh, okay, mm, I, you you kind of know how this show ends you know you kind of know how the plot yes. goes it's like those. Uh, uh, Hollywood stories, and watching this, I mean, I was I was spoiled in the beginning because I joined somewhere between season six and uh, season six and season seven, somewhere around that. I wasn't a Game of Thrones watcher from the start, uh, so oh, I was I obviously uh, spoiled because of all the memes. Like, does uh, do you still remember those yeah. brace yourself meme and all that? And yes, man, I'm I old. That. I'm so old, dude. <laughs> yeah, crazy. And. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but but nevertheless, I mean, I was surprised by scenes like the red wedding and all that, and I was like, oh, oh yes. never, never saw anything like that on television before. And yeah, uh, it's, yeah, yeah, sorry. And I remember we had a brief talk about in the in the last episode, we had a brief talk about David Benioff, the the screenwriter from Troy, who was also the yes. the showrunner or at least uh, one half of the showrunners of Game of Thrones and the screenwriter. Um. I don't know how much praise he actually deserves for Game of Thrones because you said that. Uh, now I haven't read the book by Martin, so, so it could be Martin's credit. Nevertheless, uh, I know he also written the screenplay, or he, he wrote part of the screenplays, you can say. But nevertheless, it's a brilliant adaptation. I, I don't know how much Benioff can get credit for for his work, you know, because obviously he fucked up in season eight. Oh yes, he did. Mm. Uh, I mean, this was funny because they always said that Martin actually had something to say as well in season eight, but I just cannot imagine that he really had much to say because mm-hmm. I think that would have ended differently. Or at least, I mean, the whole season eight mm-hmm. was really, this could have been three seasons in regular Game of Thrones pace, uh, right? Yeah, yeah was pretty much all crammed into this one season and even hbo themselves um wanted to have game of thrones for more seasons because obviously printing money right yeah but i think it was actually benioff himself or both rather yeah who said they wanted to do something else right was this i i don't remember which movie it was uh okay. they were they were asked to do it was actually star wars as far as i know oh yeah it was star wars, I, ironic exactly. ironic isn't it yeah, very ironic. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, but you see, one thing I want to get back to quickly, sure. because um, because you said this was so so new to see actually the main character die mm-hmm. in this show, and I was reminded about this when I was watching The Blacklist later then mm-hmm. after Game of Thrones, which is also a great show. But whenever the main character is in some sort of trouble. Like even on the brink of dying, you just know he doesn't die. Yeah, yeah. Because then this the whole show would be over, and you see on Amazon that there are three more seasons or something like that. And then you just know, all right, 
he's not gonna die you know yeah, that's the thing and yeah that sort of takes the tension out of it because mm. in game of thrones you never knew what's gonna happen yeah you just didn't know everyone could die at all times mm. and this really just gave it some sort of different yeah meaning because it was really yeah very real everything that happened could have huge consequences and this was just great to watch mm -hmm. i don't know about you but uh i'm also a bit skeptical and biased when it when it comes to things everybody likes you know everybody praises i think that's the reason why i why i joined uh, joined quote unquote uh the game of thrones uh, fan community if you will because i i, I didn't want to i don't want to watch something because everybody else is liking it you know I think I think if if I would have gotten the backlash from episode eight uh, from season eight there, I'd be like, okay, now I'm intrigued. <laughs> now I'm gonna watch this whole series. <laughs> yes. But yeah, the thing is, everybody was liking. It. I was like, okay, this this is probably not good. But then you, I, I, I watched the first season. I'm like, oh, maybe maybe I'm wrong, man. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I think I joined when season two was already finishing mm. so i'm i definitely joined earlier but still the first season people were already talking about it especially after Ned Stark died everyone mm. was hyped about this show and i had the same feeling as you did i was like come on when if everyone likes that that's just always a bad sign Absolutely. not always but it's usually a bad sign that it's just some mainstream mushed up trash and yeah this, this kind of turned me away but i don't even know how i got to watch it um i think i just randomly saw a scene from it from epi uh, not episode but from the first season mm -hmm. not like something crazy but it still looked cool and intriguing so i was like all right just just try it the first episode and yeah i actually liked it but mm -hmm. i do actually know one person a friend of mine mm -hmm. who i told he should at least watch like three or four episodes and then decide if he likes it or not and he just hated it oh okay and yes he just doesn't like it at all and he never watched any more episodes so yeah there are some people who don't like it apparently people are so weird they were like uh they're like doing diaries on the show like 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 writing stuff in their diaries about the show they, they were like naming kids after characters it's it's so crazy yes. and uh, you know i stick i still can't uh quite put my finger on what what happened in the end like like uh what caused this whole thing because um you were just saying, and I think it's correctly as far as I'm uh, as far as I'm familiar with the with the trivia, that HBO was actually offering Benioff and Weiss an extra season or at least a, a ten episode season, not like a six episode season. And I, I still, what's like your theory? Uh, because I actually want to get uh, went quickly back to David Benioff because I actually read a book of him, a novel. And I have to say, I can highly recommend it, by the way. I can also highly recommend Troy as as uh, much as you can. Yes. Because it's brilliantly written, I would say. The book by David Benioff is called City of Thieves. And it is set, I believe, in the Second World War. I believe it's like in Stalingrad or somewhere in Russia. Pretty well written. And I was actually surprised, you know, given season seven and eight. that Like, like how can how can something like this happen? What's this like intentional? What, what, what's your take on that? How, how can something like this happen? Because everything else was top notch and 
in Game of Thrones. Like the acting is always brilliant. The like, so the, the casting is so good. The the music is great and the production value and everything, except the Starbucks cup there. And anyways, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but uh, what happened to the writers? What is like your what's like your theory? How can something like this happen? I thought about this a little bit when this whole thing happened with season mm -hmm. eight. And at first I thought it's just greed because they wanted to make something as big as Star Wars and like a movie, not just TV shows. And mm -hmm. I think they actually said something like that. They wanted to make movies, but it cannot really be the reason because Game of Thrones was so popular and so successful. It can't be that you go just move to Star Wars because you think that's better. Yeah. Because I think that was virtually on the same like level at that time, especially since yeah. Star Wars was going down. <laughs> so, uh, so that was kind of weird to me to make this decision. I mean, in the end, I guess it's really, it, it must be the greed there. Because, or maybe they were so so sure of themselves because game of thrones worked so well that they can pull mm. off everything mm. and decided to just bring this to an end quickly or there are maybe one thing i just had this thought maybe they were just burned out with this whole thing after I eight seasons i heard about that just as wanted well, to do yeah. something else yeah i heard about that as well but it's it's funny because you said that george R. R. martin probably had uh, had a saying in that as well it's it was probably his his ideas or his visions Uh, you cannot say that, but but the question is why hasn't this guy published the the last two books himself? You know, he still hasn't published them yet. So so the question is, doesn't he have an answer uh, as well? You know, that's quite funny because I actually read some post about this once from some guy who said yeah. that Martin intentionally quote-unquote ruined the last season so his <laughs> books get much more praise when he finally uh, yeah brings the conclusion of the series <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm, i'm wondering how how much longer he can he can do this game this little game there because i i don't think people are going to forget about it but I, i don't think he should wait much longer because uh, yeah, it would be okay if we would like publish the book a few months after the eighth season because there are people yeah. be like still warm But nowadays, not a lot of people still talk about this show. Yeah, so it's great we're doing a podcast about it. Yeah. Um... <laughs> we, we are talking about the lost and forgotten TV shows, like the trash yes. that, that was produced. <laughs> no, great. Um, but I agree, actually. Um, these days, nobody really talks about Game of Thrones yeah. at all. And the hype definitely went down. It might be due to the fact that people didn't like episode uh season eight at mm -hmm. all so this sort of maybe killed the vibe i feel like when it comes to martin and his books and finishing the whole game of thrones saga mm -hmm. i think he's sort of afraid of finishing that because this is always the case with any story mm -hmm. as long as it's going it's very interesting obviously and people mm -hmm. have all these fantasies about how it can end and they root for their heroes to win or the villains to win whatever it is but when it's finally finished then this sort of there's some sort of void after that mm -hmm. and however this is a small path to tread here because you have to decide between people falling into this into this void after it's done and people getting bored because it's never concluded so and that's the thing as a, 
yeah. yeah. As a reader, I mean, it was hard enough as a viewer because I, like I said, I wasn't like a, I wasn't like a Game of Thrones fan from season one. Uh, I joined at season six, and I had the privilege of binging it, and binging six seasons in a row, which is which is scary because many people have waited for every season. And, I, and I, yeah. I joined between season six and seven, so I was like, okay, I needed to wait one more month, and then I was getting season seven. But after season seven, I think there was a two-year break, which was a lot, actually, which was yes. which was a lot. And given that time, how did they fuck this up so bad? But anyways, um, yeah, two years to to let your audience wait two years for a, for a sequel, if you will, or the next season it is a lot to ask already especially in a time like this today but i don't know uh, i don't know i'm not familiar with the books but i don't know how long george r r martin is already uh letting his readers wait and i would lose my patience with him you know i i yeah. I, I, I would kind of lose um <clears throat> the trust in in the author you know because like i'm like okay i i bought like i don't know maybe four or five books i don't know how many are published yet Uh, from you and you know i, I kind of like trusted that you would come up with a conclusion and you still haven't so you know kind of you know ruins your, your reputation you know yeah you go on. yes absolutely you know what's even worse there yeah. after i think he wrote up until basically episode um season six mm -hmm. i think in parts of seven or something like that right. if i remember correctly and um, book readers who are listening will now be very mad But mm. I know. And <laughs> the funny thing is, he never concluded this whole story. But in the meantime, he actually actually published a book which plays in Game of Thrones before all of this happens happened. Yeah. So he did have the time and the creative spirit to write another book for Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't to actually conclude the story that is running. So I would be pissed Absolutely. if I were a reader and... Uh, was announced that he published a new book mm. and then it's actually the, the pre-story or something and yeah so he definitely still writes as far as i know and this is why i think it's not that he cannot write doesn't have the time stuff like that mm. i think he just doesn't know how to end it properly or is afraid of it i think that's really the thing yeah i don't know it's uh I mean, I always hear this argument that there are many characters in it, and you know you have to like. Uh, but 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 I've read more complex stories than that, and they yes. have a good conclusion. So it's like a, yeah, it's like a bad excuse, if you will. But, yes. uh, and uh, yeah. apparently he told the like Benioff and Weiss. Apparently, we don't know if it's true, but it's what has been said back then that mm -hmm. how episode. Sorry, I keep saying episode. How season eight ended mm -hmm. was his idea. And so basically, this is how the books will end at some point. Mm -hmm. And this is what he said. But I have a feeling that that's really not true. I, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Dude, I, I don't know why, but I also, uh, in the start of the in the start of this Red Smog episode, I keep I keep uh, messing with like the words episode and, and season. I don't know yes. if that's I don't know if that's a German thing or if if, if something's in Maybe. the air. What, what's going on, man? Anyways, but yeah, the thing. Well, but is, the German word is the same, right? It's episode. Yeah, yeah. So that's so, like why, why are we messing it up, man? So that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Classic Red Smoke. Yeah, Mystery Thursday on Red Smoke, everybody. Um, <laughs> 
yeah the thing is also like george r, r. martin is not like the youngest author in the world so i'm like i, I would be i would be so pissed if he would like die <laughs> like, okay, like, like, yeah, at least uh at least give us some answers dude <laughs> The funny thing would be if, like, in, I don't know, 10, 20 years, whenever mm -hmm. his, his time comes, and then it is released in some sort of safe, actually, the written books and yeah. how they conclude. It would be, it would be sick. <laughs> oh, my God. It's going to be like a, like a treasure hunt for yes. the answer. <laughs> Dude, what I'm about to ask you now, this will... You know, the, like the the past few minutes, it's also it almost like a, you could call this like a nerd talk, but but I'm okay with that. But what I'm gonna ask you now sounds like a genuine nerd fanboy question. Actually, two questions, but you know, th there's no way I can I cannot let it sound like a nerd question. But but who's like your favorite character in the whole series? I, I like the build up to this question. What is he gonna ask now? <laughs> yes, I was I was a bit uh, afraid, but it's actually a good question and a difficult question for me to mm. be honest. If if you had to I choose, about oh, you can, you can do like a top three if you want. Maybe it's easier. Oh, does this make it easier? Mm. I don't know. Um... Okay, but you don't have you don't have to like decide. You can decide like okay, favorite three characters if you want. Because if I really have to choose, like how the character is completely like with physical and mental ability and mm. i'm gonna tell you in a second why this is important mm. then i will most likely choose tywin lannister mm. um, obviously right right because he's just it's i guess it's mostly because he's com he being completely unfazed by everything and prepared for virtually everything that happens he just knows what's going on like yeah. 500 steps before anyone else and this is just uh some sort of mental setup i i yeah aspire to and really like mm -hmm. but the second character or maybe even i like maybe even a bit better is Tyrion lannister mm -hmm. but obviously i wouldn't have his physical uh traits so i would really just choose his mental abilities there kind of because he also that, yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah he does but he also knows just how people act what they will do like before it even happens mm. obviously he fails against his father a lot although he kills him in the end but mm. still and he's just what i like about him is that he still founds or finds the, the joy in life which i think is a bit lacking in Tywin. he seems to have fun with what he does but he all sometimes comes off a little bit too negative for my mm -hmm. taste so i guess it's between the two there yeah Absolutely, uh, I, I partially agree with you. Uh, you know, it, it's it's hard because the the episode is called uh, "Ranking the Game of Thrones Characters," and and I was thinking about this a lot. Like like, how can you objectively rate the Game of Thrones characters? Like, I know it sounds so nerdy, but I actually want to do it like scientifical, if if you will. Uh, how can you objectively rank the Game of Thrones characters? Because I don't know. Do do you think you can compare? A uh, character like Tywin Lannister to uh, I don't know Jon Snow. No, I don't think so. Mm. Um, I know we are trying to rank them, and <laughs> this answer makes it difficult. But I mean, they are not even in the same ballpark, so to speak. Yeah, you know, yeah. While Jon Snow becomes stronger later, obviously, 
and sort of develops a proper mindset to at least not die immediately in this tough world of what Game of mm-hmm. Thrones is. He's still nowhere near even close to what Tywin, like, not only achieves, but what he does yeah. and how he operates. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess you can rank it that way. Uh, Jon Snow is definitely below Tywin. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's tough because they're really not in the same, like, league even, mm-hmm. I would say. I mean, there's there's the the factor of personal taste because when it comes to personal yeah. taste, or, or if I, whom I, whom I just like in this show, for example, my my favorite character would be uh, Littlefinger, because he's like, you know, I think I said this in a stream before somewhere, I, I don't remember when, but like this show is called Game of Thrones, and I always thought like this would be like turn up as the huge, as the huge solution in the end that this was all like a game. And as for me, uh, Littlefinger was playing the game the best from from all the characters, you know, maybe Varys as well. But uh, yeah. Little I was going to say Varys. Yeah, yeah, both of yeah. them. Both of them were like, I would say, yes. players. And they, they, they understood the game of thrones, if you can call it. Uh, yes. So, so yeah, as a person. This, t- yeah? this is also what I liked um, a lot about, yeah, these these characters like mm. Littlefinger, for example, mm. or Varys, or even all the Lannisters, not all of them, but most of them, they understood just that they live in a dark world and mm. they didn't try to make it like perfect or make it good in any way because they knew they didn't have the power to do so. They right. knew, especially Littlefinger, you're right with that, and Varys, they knew this is all a game and they knew how to play it. Tyrion as well, I would say, he knew that this is a game and he even enjoyed it to some degree. And with that in mind, they just knew how all these people are just pieces on the chessboard and that you can control them to some degree. And if you do this and that, this will improve your position and stuff like that. And if you compare it to the Starks, for example, which were the classic, like positive, mm-hmm. good guys, but also very delusional in most cases yeah, uh, yeah. about how the world operates, just being generally good people, mm-hmm. which is... I guess a trade in and of itself, but in a world like Westeros or Game of Thrones, it's uh, yeah, kind of a waste because that's just not how it works. And True. as you can tell or guess, due to my brand, I like these sort of dark characters. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know how to rank them like correctly, but but I would say, as for me personally, what I like in a character in a TV show is, you know, of course, there's like some sense of growth which means the character doesn't end up where he started, except he was perfect in the beginning. Uh, And the second thing I would say is frame. Because you said something interesting about Tywin. Whenever he was under pressure, even when he was on his... Even when he was taking a shit and was, like, uh, threatened by by Tyrion, I remember he was never losing his frame. There's never, like... Of course, he sometimes raises his voice, but it is on purpose. He always does it. Uh, he always does it on purpose. That, that's a little bit what I mean by frame. And so many characters lost their character, so to speak, between season six point five, if you will, and season eight. Then. Yeah, I agree. This was also something, wasn't it, about the Khaleesi, right? Yes. The... What's her real name again? I forgot. Uh, Daenerys. It's Daenerys. Daenerys. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, because she was just completely different. And yeah. 
maybe this was this was intentional i don't know just uh, some sort of character development just into the negative um yeah maybe but still tyven definitely he had the uh, like iron frame which just couldn't Absolutely. be not even like a, a slight crack like throughout the whole series i don't think there was ever even the slightest crack in his frame and this is truly something i admired as well that you just knew whenever you encounter him you just knew that he is more powerful than you and it's yeah. just something that is kind of crazy yeah absolutely he was also like the only you know the uh, circle gain or like the mountain or what is he called yes i remember that he was like so like taiwan was the only person who was like ever disrespectful to him and is like okay well he can you know and so uh, i would actually say there's only one only one character maybe two Maybe two characters in in the whole series that also never kind of lost their frame. I would say maybe Robert Baratheon, maybe because I think at the end he oh, kind of. Yeah. But actually, the other one is a girl, and it's uh, it's not a girl. It's actually an old woman. I don't know if you still remember the oh, yes. uh, Olena Tyrell. Yes. Like this, like this, this woman is straight savage. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Such, such I like the scene with uh, Jamie Lannister in the end. <laughs> oh yeah, that's like such, that? he's such a roast, man. Like, yes, like, yeah, like like she went out like a like a real queen there, man. It's like wow, just wow. And there's there's actually this interaction between her and Tywin. I don't know in which season, probably season four or five or somewhere like that. And this is this is where the show peaked, in my opinion. Especially the interactions between those two, I would say, uh, alpha characters. And it's so interesting yeah. how they're playing like verbal chess with each other. It's so well written there. Yeah, that's true. That was very well written. Mm -hmm. And it's quite obvious that she is also very powerful in her character. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's obviously not like the, the feminine woman you would want to marry, but she's yeah. a, as you, you said quite well, alpha woman, yeah. like strong alpha. Yeah, it's obviously her masculine side that's coming through, but she's very powerful. Yeah. And she knows how to use it. And this has served her well. And th yeah, the, the screenwriting, or the writing rather, for this, the scenes with Tywin were very great. Just mm. two huge forces <laughs> meeting each other. <laughs> yeah. That's, that was great, yeah. You can think about the quote from The Dark Knight, like when an un unstoppable force meets an immovable object or something yes. like that. It's like what I'm thinking of. Like that. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so yeah, I, I, I think the the series kicks off with uh, with Ned Stark, but but I believe the first character that was uh, was more or less introduced was actually Robert Baratheon, who I would also call a fucking savage. There's this oh, quote. Yeah. There's this quote from I'm trying to get you run my kingdom while I eat, drink, and whore my way to an early grave. <laughs> this is this this one sentence tells us so much about him. Uh, yeah, Game of Thrones, King Baratheon, like like this honest assessment of his motive to the to, to trying to tempt Ned Stark, you know, into becoming his hand of the king. This already sums up the whole series, yes. his character and everything. This sets the frame perfectly. Yeah, and it's again framed there, and what yeah. I like about him because he clearly and honestly states what he's doing, and it's not like really very. Something you can be proud of, just mm -hmm. like drinking and whoring around while being king. But he has absolutely no 
issue with that and he doesn't care about any judgment from anyone yeah it's just what he does and this is another form of frame there yeah and yeah this is very very greatly displayed in the robot yeah absolutely, absolutely. yeah that's um you know I would say, of course, it's rat smoke. Like, and uh, kind of like talking about masculinity and all this stuff. And I think masculinity is embodied within the those powerful males there. And I would say that like characters like uh, I would say Robert and of course uh, Stannis Baratheon as well, as uh, yes. like a counterpart, Ned Stark and Tywin Lannister. Those are like uh, I would say Robert, Robert Baratheon, Ned Stark, and Tywin Lannister. I would say three absolute alpha. Uh, hyper-masculine figures who are, uh, you know, kind of like mainstream yes. heterosexual, you know. And what's very interesting is, I actually thought about that a lot because I don't remember about Robert, but uh, when it comes to Ned Stark and Tywin Lannister, just an interesting choice of style. They are never shown sexually in a show that is basically soft porn, if you if you think about it, I don't know yeah. why. I don't know why I discovered that, but uh, but you never see them like fuck on camera, you know. As as weird as that sounds for me, I gotta say I feel a little weird to see Tywin in a sex scene. I don't know why. I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know why I'm saying this, but, but but it's interesting that in a show where sex is a little bit associated uh, or represented as power, none of these characters have like a sex scene of some sort. It's always those sneaky characters. Uh, whom we see doing it, you know. I actually, actually like you bring this up uh, because this is truly great and something I have also said many times before that at some point, most men, once they discover true power and mm. how to run their own purpose in their lives powerfully, they ascend above the sexual things. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't care about it anymore. Obviously, we all have like urges, but it's not something that's on your mind constantly. You have just bigger goals than laying women. Yeah. And this is greatly, and I, I actually, I didn't notice that when watching the show. So glad you bring this up. But you are correct. These alpha, true hypermasculine guys were never seen in these sort of scenes. And this is great, a great choice because it makes them, in my opinion, even more masculine in that case, in that regard. And I think this is also something which is a complete issue in today's society that People think just because you like lay a lot of women, that means you're now an alpha like guy. Yeah. In my opinion, that really just means that you know how to, yeah, how to get from women what you want. But it doesn't mean that you're good at life. You know, True. these are two different things, in my opinion. And this is, yeah, I mean, I guess we live in a sexualized society, and obviously this was oh, also displayed in Game of Thrones very well. So this makes sense that people come up with this idea. Mm -hmm. But I think this was great displayed. And we talked about this before in, in Troy that Benioff definitely know, yes, knows yes. how to make very masculine characters. Mm -hmm. And he definitely did this with Game of Thrones. Dude. They were well, very well displayed. He understands the... He understands male-female dynamics as well as male-male yes. dynamics, which is even more uh, important, I think. Let's just... Let's just kick off a little bit with Robert Baratheon there. Let's see how far we come. We might even have to do like a two-part series out of it because there's like yeah. so many characters. Let's see, maybe we do a, do a two-part series. Um, I would say, I would pledge that Robert Baratheon has every single characteristic that a king has to have. Like he's tough, macho, masculine, physically strong, and 
uh, combative. And I was I was looking up a dialogue uh, from the from the script from Benny of Wise. Very early, season one, episode three. I'm gonna read it out loud. I'm gonna I'm not gonna even attempt to do a impersonization of him, but I'm gonna try it. <laughs> it's it's a dialogue you probably remember. It's a dialogue between Robert and Jamie Lannister. Uh, and it and it reveals a certain notion of of masculinity, which uh, I'm gonna ask you something about afterwards. And yeah, I'm going. I'm just gonna read it out loud, and I'm just gonna uh, yes. see where this goes. So Robert Baratheon uh, goes, "We're telling war stories. So who was your first kill? Not counting old men." And then Jamie goes, uh, "You're one of the outlaws in the Brotherhood." And uh, yeah, there's a there's a third person barrister of an rim. And uh, yeah, it's interesting that Robert Baratheon next says, "You're outlaw." So was there any last words? And Jamie Lannister says, I cut his head off, so no. And Robert Baratheon says, uh, what about Aerys Targaryen? What did the Mad King say when you stabbed him in the bag? I never asked, did he call you a traitor? Did he plead for a reprieve? And Jamie Lannister says, uh, he said the same thing he had been saying for hours. Burn them all. And uh, yeah, you know, that's just, just a quick dialogue. For some, it just might be... Uh, this might be a piece of dialogue for Robert, or uh, yeah. I would say this this revealed so much about Robert's character because, uh, like I said, first of all he he says uh, who was your first kill. And I, I I imagine look for Robert being a man is about being strong and eventually being a killer, and that's so interesting that that's uh, uh, what's important to him. You know, this conversation is a very masculine dialogue where both men like share anecdotes concerning their first kill and as robert says uh, old men don't count as kills <laughs> robert is the ultimate yes. patriarch uh, of westeros uh, i think i think if most men would talk to another man and if he would tell them well i killed someone at the age of 16 i think most men would be silent in that moment yeah you know, they, they wouldn't, like... I mean, what Robert does is... Well, okay, how was... Uh, uh, any last words? Like, he's almost, like, uh, horny for <laughs> for knowing that. It's like, oh, God, tell me, tell, me why he, tell, tell me more about it. So interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is obviously due to the setting in a very rough time frame mm-hmm. where killing was just normal. But it was also... Yeah, I, I like how he is completely like unfazed and actually fascinated expecting yeah, to, yeah yeah fascinated yeah. and expecting that the, the other man actually did kill someone or mm-hmm. even a lot of people so this is like completely normal yeah and through this through talking about this he tr- is trying to get at what kind of a man jamie really is because he wants to to see how how he killed these people mm-hmm. because he knows that he's this kind of backstabber who just killed the the king cowardly so to speak for whatever reason might be mm-hmm. but it was indeed an unfo- un- unhonorful kill yeah. is this a word i don't know yeah. um yeah i guess so don't ask a german one man yes <laughs> <laughs> so anyway he, he's trying to get behind jamie's curtain so to speak what he truly is and he does this by asking these questions but it's not just that he want to know who this guy is he's also just very interested in this sort of yeah, masculine thing, especially back in the days, to just kill other people because yeah. war was just natural. 
And I have said many times before that men are built for war. Even these days, it just doesn't exist anymore in that sort of thing. Mm. But we are made to fight, to be competitive, to be, yeah, at war with people or in general. And so this is definitely missing from people that we have these very open and direct talks about, yeah, tough things. Yeah, I could say, I can also say that Robert kind of embraces violence and killing. I mean, Absolutely. Like, uh, almost like, like almost all of the male characters in, in Game of Thrones, yeah. Absolutely. This is, I think, also a big difference towards Ned. And I mean, we're going to yeah. go to Ned later, I guess, but yeah. just quickly uh, a difference here because Robert definitely enjoys it and he's enjoying violence and feeling it. And it, yeah. But Ned, even though he is also a violent person and he has killed men, I think he doesn't really enjoy it. Or no, doesn't like it no. and he tries to avoid it if possible so there's definitely a, a big difference between the two yeah we can uh we can jump forward to to Ned Stark there because as far as uh Robert Baratheon is a is an example of I would say hyper masculinity in today's terms the second example would be Ned Stark but in a slightly other way because uh you know Ned Stark is like considered to be king and Robert's hand and best friend and he's like highly reliable lord of the uh, north he's deeply respected by everyone and uh, king robert also like he he relies on him to make his major decisions and all this stuff and uh again for for his character i i think you were referring to a certain scene because it's it actually happens in the first episode of season 1 in the very first episode of the series where ned in his his son bran they they have this yeah. they have this little talk and uh, yeah I'm, I'm just going to read it out loud again because Good. it's like such a such an interesting it's like after this execution you know where it, it, you just said that Ned didn't enjoy it it was like an execution where you could say like Ned uh, had to do it and the conversation goes like this Ned says to his son do you understand why I did it and Brent said uh, John said he was a deserter Ned said, do you understand why I had to kill him? Then Bronn answers, our way is the old way. And Ned goes, the man who passes the sentence should swing the sword. And Bronn goes, is it true he saw the White Walkers? And Ned said, the White Walkers have been gone for a thousand of years. Bronn says, so he was lying. And Ned goes, a madman sees what he sees. Um. Yeah. He's he's trying to mentor his his little boy there. Yes. And, and Ned Ned is Ned highlights how how important it is uh, what what it means to be a lord and, and a hand of the king and what he's supposed to do at, at times like this, you know. Uh passing a sentence and swinging a sword to take a man's life, you know. Uh, but, but, actually, yeah. Yes. I actually liked this liked the scene a lot. Mm. Like a whole lot because Here's something to think about for all the listeners. These three men, right? Robert and Tywin and Ned. Yeah. They are all considered very masculine, right? But they are very different in what they do. Like, yeah. like evil yeah. sometimes or very good in kind of uh, in case of Ned. So masculinity doesn't really have to do something with if you are good or bad, right? Mm. It's something else. And this, I think, is greatly displayed in this scene because he 
takes full responsibility for what he does. Yeah. This is the key. We come back to like all the time, right? <laughs> mm. That it is even said in this sentence that he who says the sentence also has to swing the sword. That means when right. he decides that someone is doing bad or has done, done something bad, then he has actually to do or to make the consequences out of it. This is his duty as a man. Mm-hmm. And I just liked the scene a lot because it's such, such a great display of masculinity in this case. That, And especially what you mentioned as well, that being a king is not just like whoring around and drinking, as Robert yeah. says. I mean, in the beginning, he couldn't do this as well. He, When Robert was a king at first, he had to do other things as mm-hmm. well. And ruling his own kingdom is not easy, or your own kingdom is not easy. And there are decisions you have to t- like do which you don't like. For example, in back in the days, or in this case, killing someone or executing someone. And is it this key part of being a king that even though you get all the, the praise and all the cool stuff, it also means you have all the re- responsibility, like all of it, mm-hmm. and you have to take care of virtually everything. And it is all your fault when shit happens. And yeah. if you want to be king of your own life, gentlemen, then you have to live with that. That's just how it is. And this is truly greatly displayed in this scene. Yeah, you also said that, I don't know to which character you're referring, I think you're referring to Tywin, that you said he's almost perfect, but he doesn't like enjoy life. You know, and, and, and it is so greatly displayed. There's a there's a interaction between Ned Stark and Robert, where they're like in a tent, and Robert does this stupid joke about the breast oh, stretcher yeah. or something. I don't know. It's yes. like breast plate <laughs> stretcher. Sorry, there's no such thing as breast stretcher, I think. But anyways. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, if there is, I'm sure it is somewhere in Westeros. And uh, yeah, you have, the, you have this interaction where he's cracking jokes and he just sees that Ned is a little bit like in thoughts. And it's like, uh, yeah, he's like uh, laughing. And then Robert just gives him a drink and says, he drink. And Ned says, no, I don't want to. And it's like, your king commands you or something like yes. that. And you, you can just see like, um, yeah. And in uh, how different they are and how similar as well. Because one of them is like truly enjoying himself, lacking the responsibility as well. But, but, but um, Ned is like so focused with, I, I would say, look, Ned is a, a courageous and honorable man which which makes him a pretty virtuous guy of course um yeah. but virtuous and i think that's something you talk a lot about it actually comes with a price and uh net's frankness results in his imprisonment you know his honesty makes him makes him kind of blind to other people's uh plans you know Exactly. Yes. Um, being a virtuous man has one big drawback mm-hmm. that your enemies know exactly how they can control you. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly what happened to Ned throughout yeah. pretty much all the series mm-hmm. when the Lannisters especially knew exactly what he will do because of his virtues and what kind of man he is. And this way they could set up traps. Mm-hmm. So while being virtuous or having your virtues is great because it makes it creates a better life for you and the people around you in general it also makes you vulnerable to some degree and yeah this is what is the issue from for net there and i think this is also what is greatly displayed with like good versus evil all the time Mm. that and what i talk about a lot with psychopaths then because they don't have any sort of virtues or rules at least not the classic ones 
So they are tough to yeah, to judge what they will do, how mm -hmm. they react and things they will end up doing to you or to others. So it makes them unpredictable. And this is what people don't like because if someone is unpredictable, he can also strike at any moment, which is exactly what the Lannisters mm -hmm. are, in my opinion. I think they are a family of psychopaths and they display this quite well. And it has worked for them, obviously. But it also makes them yeah, pretty much hated by everyone else because oh, yeah. they just cannot put them in some sort of draw to get, get an idea of what they are about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah, I would say on one hand, uh, Ned is like bound by, by honesty and he there's also a scene where he cannot bend the knee to King Joffrey and accept yeah. him as a king. But on the other hand, he loves his daughters and he must not forsake them. So, so he eventually bends the knee to Joffrey and, and confesses his quote-unquote treason so his daughters can be saved. Yeah, it's it's so interesting that you're dealing with a show where the honesty of a man causes his downfall. You know, it's so it's yes, there are many many displays in Game of Thrones which I liked or not liked, but I thought were quite mm -hmm. telling how the dark reality truly works. That <clears throat> the good guys, for being honest and being good people, very often actually like fall down because of it. Yeah, and. People might think this is like cynical or even bitter, but I think to some degree, this is just reality, right? And mm. you should strive to be a good person as much as possible, in my opinion, even though using your dark traits and all of mm. that, still try to use it only for your benefit and other people's benefit, right? right. But still, just being a blindly good person is very dangerous and will get you killed in Game of Thrones or will get you like lost or being broke in real life. So yeah. the world is a dark place. It's just reality. And this is probably also why I like Game of Thrones so much, because even though it is fantasy mm -hmm. with dragons and all of that, mm -hmm. and it plays in a different time, it still is a great display, especially how people operate with each other of yeah. real life and power, especially. I keep being reminded of like uh, scenes I have seen from... I don't know, like some demonstrations or people were like trying to fight for human rights or something. And and then you see like tweets from their wives that says, okay, like today is like the the anniversary of like uh yeah, my my, my husband died three years ago because he was like demonstrating for Trump or I, I don't know what the fuck, whatever, right? And it's like yeah. okay, uh okay, maybe he was doing the right thing. Maybe he was being virtuous, but you know, I think being virtuous, I don't know if you would agree with me, and acting accordingly leads to sooner or later make a choice between yourself and your family. Isn't that yes. the case? No, I think so, yes. This is true. Um, if you... Yeah, you will have to make this decision. Just mm -hmm. like Ned Stark had to, between being virtuous and not bending the knee yep. to this mad, young, spoiled little brat as mm -hmm. king. Or saving his daughters. And obviously, well, not obviously, but I guess especially for Ned Stark, he would save his daughters. And this is also why people oftentimes say that a man's biggest vulnerability are his children, obviously. Yeah. Because he will do virtually everything to keep them alive or to keep them safe. And this is also how evil men can control good men. Mm -hmm. And it's being done all the time. And yes, so... If you have your virtues and you are a good person, at least to some degree, um, and you have enemies, 
then you will eventually have to make a decision there. Mm -hmm. And for example, or rather the example you brought up, I don't know if demonstrating for or against Trump or whatever it was, was the right decision as opposed to being with your family. I don't know if that yeah. <laughs> was really worth it. I, yeah, I'm not sure. And it's a thing like, <laughs> like, like a little bit of being blind, you know, like, yes. like, like too, being too virtuous makes you actually blind for reality, I would say. Uh, like, uh, yes. yeah, it's I mean, also a bit of naivety in my opinion, because yeah. I'm not saying that people shouldn't demonstrate Actually, they should do it more. But if your own life is on the line, I don't know if this demonstration is really going to change much for you. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, in demonstrations and people, or rather, which turned out violent, this had some sort of effect in the media mm -hmm. and thus maybe changed things, of course. But you, in the end, you always have to look after yourself and your family if this works out that way. And I know some men have this idea that it's better to die for the whole meaning of history and humanity yeah. than to be alive for your family. This is a decision everyone has or anyone has to do to make for himself. I don't know if I would do it, to be honest. Yeah. Pretty difficult to say, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a it's a personal it's a personal decision. Yeah. But uh yeah. Definitely nothing in the in the world of Game of Thrones said that that's that's a little bit what I was referring to to that the show is called Game of Thrones, you know, yeah. and 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 that's I kind of thought that little thing I was doing at the best, but uh, yeah, who led to Ed Stark's uh, downfall was of course Joffrey, and I would say he's also uh, like from a character writing standpoint, brilliantly written, oh, one yes. of one of one of my most favorite characters in in, in all of TV and movies and, and literature and all that. Nice. Jo jo Joffrey's <laughs> Joffrey's Joffrey's such a such an obvious product of like I, I would call it damaging masculinity. I don't know if this word exists, and I'm sure in some like gender study class it does. He 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 offers all the proof we need. Just like, like uh, how much how much problem there is. Um, yes, he's just yeah. In my opinion, he's really just uh, yeah. He's just a spoiled prat. Pretty much. And I wanted to say the but exact just, same not, thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Sorry. yeah. No. No. Yeah. But not just that. It's also that he was born into power, being a spoiled brat, which is even worse. <clears throat> yeah. And then nobody does anything against it. So he gets his positive reinforcement mm. loop that what he does is actually good because it works for him at least, right? And there are, and I don't think it's even due to age because we know from real life history that there were kings who fought wars at the age of 15 against like two other countries, which mm -hmm. is funnily enough in my book. And it was the king of Sweden. Mm -hmm. And he like was a very great man. He was obviously for his age completely uh, like <laughs> true of himself mm -hmm. because he was king and he was fighting two big countries. But it's definitely how Joffrey was raised. And yeah, being a complete spoiled brat and uh, the favorite of his mother. And this so, sort of, yeah, created this character everyone hated. Yeah, so like, like his sense of identity was grounded in, you know, you know, he's like, okay, I have the right to do everything I want because I was born a king, you know, stuff yes. like that. But uh, yeah, there's also this problem because you just said that you should use your powers for good. And 
I wouldn't say Joffrey used his powers for himself, like in an egoistic way. He used them for straight evil, you know. Yes. Like like threatening his mother to uh, killing prostitutes with a crossbow and yes. uh, chopping his uh, father-in-law's head off, uh, like uh, forcing to 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 rape his bride. He was an evil sociopath, you know, and simply because he could be. Yes. Yeah, because there was virtually never some sort of restrictions on him what is good or bad. He just mm. learned that he has the power and he didn't ever hear, hear anything about using it in mm. some sort of way that makes sense. He just used it and because people were afraid of him, he, that gave him the, this feedback loop to even do it more, yeah. yes. And yeah, again, he's just... He's naturally, I don't know naturally, but he's definitely a very evil person. And again, the the actor who actually can never play another role ever in his life. <laughs> sure, for that. Yes, he actually played him very well. I gotta admit that. Um, because you could even see in his eyes when he was like threatening these people with mm. his evil like actions. You could see how he just enjoys being that evil little brat. He just enjoyed it so much. You could very well see that and i like that a lot this this actor really played this very well they made they made such a good job at hating someone that doesn't even exist now i hated the character of um of joffrey so much it's like such a such a great job with the casting there it's so interesting and yes and yeah one thing i just wanted to add because you said that he just knows born being born a king that he can do whatever he likes yeah, he yeah. even says this later the king can do as he likes yeah but actually the first time i think in his life and it was his grandfather who taught oh, yeah. him a lesson there. <laughs> yes very very great sent thing. him sent and him I, to bed without supper like the king <laughs> yes exactly and this was such a great scene obviously played by Tywin Lannister who mm. really knows how power truly works yeah, yeah. and this one this line actually stuck with me for a very long time and I still think about it these days mm -hmm. when he said that a king who has to say he is the king is no true king yeah right? yeah and this is so true and so deeply true also in so many facets that if you have to say you are something then you are not that person mm -hmm. this has to come naturally and people have to sort of put this title if you want onto you if you have to say it then you are not this kind of person and this is so great and was so f yeah i guess it was also fan service but it was also great to watch that this kind of asshole finally got sent to bed without supper so yeah, it was, it's it was so nice hilarious <laughs> scene i guess yeah i needed to laugh out loud yeah it's like i mean i mean yeah it was tense but dude, who says to a king go to bed now <laughs> what the fuck but uh yeah uh joffrey kind of i would say there's a word that describes i'd say it's damaged masculinity uh, despite being so yes. young you know he's neither brave or um you know he's relying on others for his victories and then he claims all the credit like a like a true coward no wonder everyone yes. hates him you know it's like so yeah it's almost comically uh yeah you put this very well there he's actually a coward hmm. to be quite honest hmm. and he has never achieved anything on his own, like nothing. Yeah. Everything that his power, so to speak, reigns on was done by other people. Mm -hmm. So 
I think this is also why he tries so hard to display that he is the king, because deep down he probably knows that he isn't actually someone special, but he has this title, mm -hmm. and so he has to sort of live with it. But yeah, this is definitely a form, I like the, the term there, damaged masculinity. He is displaying all the sort of negative or traits that can be used negatively yeah. as fr from a masculine man and a man that has too too much power and is is constantly used in a negative way because he is so so his mm. personality is so damaged really mm. so yeah great term Absolutely. so so what do you say about about Jamie Lannister because that's an interesting one i wouldn't i wouldn't actually call him uh, amongst the powerful patriarchs like Tywin and so we we will get no. to Tywin as well but Jaime Lannister, from a character standpoint, until the last episodes of of season eight, actually has been one of my favorites. Like like he he went through such a uh, such a nice circle, you know. It started off as an asshole, and and we grew to to like him so much. It's so interesting. He he starts off as I would say pretty powerful patriarch at first, but as the series progresses, Jamie. I know first uh, actually loses his 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 father and actually his hand as well, which results in this loss of power, and then yes. uh, and then Jamie's character shifts a little bit to to a complex version of masculinity. Very interesting character. There. What was yeah, your take? What's your take on him? I think his development is actually very deep and mm -hmm. also quite interesting because if you think about it, in the beginning. I remember the scene where he was wearing his shiny gold armor right. in the house with Ned Stark, where Ned asks him, um, I think, I don't even know exactly what he said, but it's basically something like your armor has never been tested, right? Something like that. Mm. So Ned doesn't even know if he's truly a man that knows how to fight. Mm. But Jamie says something about that. So other people cannot judge who how he really does in fighting. And... So in the beginning, he is this powerful guy, but there isn't, as far as we know at least, there isn't much behind that. It's sort of a facade, if you want to call it that, because you don't really know what he's up to, what he knows, what he can do, yeah. right? Yeah. And then he loses his power, and he is faced with himself, and that he, all his power really relied on, like, for example, his fighting hand, or the power from his father. And then he notices that there is something within him that can make himself powerful, right? And then he discovers that. And I truly enjoyed this development of him, that he sort of discovers his, his true self through losing something near and dear to his heart. Yeah. So this was really, yeah, a great development. Yeah, it's also this, uh, it kind of humbles him a little bit after he loses yeah. his hand. And he starts to question it all. And he even turns on, on Cersei in the end of yes. a season seven, I guess. And then he even joins the North when the when the White Walkers appear, and of course after yeah. that the the whole whole uh, shit went down, that, because that's uh, I believe from all the character assassinations they did there, I think I think Luke Skywalker in the Last Jedi didn't uh, wasn't assassinated that much as uh, Jamie Lannister was <laughs> in season eight because yep. he did he did such a nice development there from a complete asshole who is, um, you know, he, he was like throwing Bran out of the window in episode yes. one, I think. Like, like, like him, yes. yeah, what, what kind of person does this? And he he kind of went full circle. In the end, he, he joined the North. He even faced Bran again. And he fought 
amongst other people to to save kind of like uh, the fight to save humanity he turned on cersei uh, and then there's this interesting interaction before the end because jamie in the end goes back to king's landing suddenly to to go back to cersei like like uh, that's that's the thing i never understood it's yeah. such a it's such a such a huge middle finger to his character there's even this interaction in 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 season eight i think it's episode four or five where jamie and Tyrion have a little conversation and jamie says uh, oh by the way i never really cared much about the innocent people uh because oh yeah 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 and i remember i was i was listening it's like 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 hashtag not my jamie dude Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like like what is this like uh an episode before that he was going all the way to to the north where everyone hates him just to have the chance to fight amongst uh, the living so to speak you know and suddenly he goes like oh, i don't care about how much innocence yeah i want to fuck my sister again what, what the fuck <laughs> yeah i remember watching the scene and i thought wait is this an outtake or what's happening here? Yeah, yeah because that made absolutely no sense and it was completely out of character for him and i don't know if they tried to sort of bring flashbacks from the past sort of in his mind or something yeah but yeah. that truly made absolutely no sense especially not when he just came back from fighting for the innocent people and then yeah. the next sentence is yeah fuck them that's just just bullshit yeah, and also, yeah yeah, you're right. He actually had a very great um, development because in the beginning he was simping hard for Cersei, right? Yeah. He was really that, that kind of loser type who does everything he, she says, like virtually everything. Mm -hmm. And it, towards the end, he made this great development where he actually confronts her and pretty much turn, shows her the finger, right? Mm -hmm. For being a stupid bitch, which is what she was. And then all of a sudden he just runs back to her in her arms. And it's just, yeah, this is another part of the last seasons that just made no sense. Yeah, he also like uh, started to, for, for the first time, he started to, he started this quote unquote healthy relationship with, uh, with Brienne. Yeah. But, but I think them like, like screwing around, there was like also just fan service. Because yeah. they're, they're, like, they're like having a sex scene and like, a, like the mm -hmm. day after, Jamie just like fucks off and uh, what's going on there? <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it's it's like a whole season is missing between those two scenes. You know, I mean, I would be okay with Jamie going full circle and going back to Cersei, but I feel like there's something missing. You know, I mean, he yeah, went... that would have taken more time to yeah, actually yeah. develop that. So, so, so this has been generally sorry again for yeah, yeah, sure, but sure. this has generally been the issue with the last seasons, mm. especially. I don't know if we're ever going to talk about her, the, the Khaleesi, but in her case, just to briefly talk about it, mm. her development, especially in episode uh, season eight or seven and eight, was so rushed that made just no sense at all. And this was generally the, the theme of the last seasons, which is, I guess, what people didn't like and I didn't like as well, mm. because there was just the feeling that so much is missing, which we just didn't get to see. And we were just faced with the results of it but that just made no sense at all yeah, yeah i mean we can uh, quickly switch to to the character of daenerys here because yeah this is this is something that uh, i i think it just said the same thing when uh Ty no not Tywin. oh my god Tyrion and jamie were in the tent 
in season eight. Yes. And they're having this little inter- interaction where Jamie suddenly says, I don't care much about Innocent. You're saying, okay, maybe put in some flashbacks to, to explain. But that, that's like a lazy way because I still remember yeah. before episode five aired, before uh, Daenerys burned the whole, uh, the whole city down, uh, every time the, the ep- before the episode starts, we get like irrelevant flashbacks, you know? And I remember yes. episode five started with the voiceover of, uh, I don't know who says, yeah, every time a Targaryen is born, the, the gods flip a coin, you know, like to like to remind people, oh, by the way, this can happen, but this is completely yes. out of character anyways. I mean, you can put in as much flashbacks as you want. It narratively doesn't make any sense. Yes, especially, I mean, when she sits on that dragon, right? Yeah. On over the city, pretty much, right before she burns the whole city and all the innocent mm. people. This is, I guess, that you get a few seconds of her shifting facial expressions. Mm. And I guess the actress tried as much as possible to get like two seasons of character development into these few seconds. Yeah. But <laughs> you can tell this was what they were trying to do, that she suddenly sort of get these flashbacks from the past, what happened to her, what the other people did to her, especially the, the Lannisters. She decides to kill them all, but mm. it was still still truly weird to me that this all happened within a few seconds. So there's like complete season missing there. Mm. Uh, hello, Rich. Uh, see you join. Hello there. What's going on, guys? Hey, what's going on, Rich? Everything's going well? Yeah, I'm just uh, enjoying the morning coffee right now, getting getting through some work before I go to train. Excellent. Th- thanks for dropping by so quickly. We were just uh, talking about uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, uh, Rich, are you like, a huge fan of like breakfast TV and all this stuff? Do, do you have this stuff like in the U.S.? Uh, have what in the U.S.? Uh, we, uh, Alex, we in Germany, we have something that's called breakfast TV, don't we? Yes. Because, do. Yeah, because we have like this new time slot for Red Smoke. And it's it's something like you know breakfast TV, if you will, because now we we are live when the US kind of wakes up, you know, and I don't know, Rich, are you familiar with this with this kind of stuff? Because breakfast TV has this reputation of being extremely extremely terrible. <laughs> yes, I don't. I mean, we have some morning shows out here. I don't. I don't think anybody even watches TV anymore. It's mostly everything streamed, like. Disney Plus or Netflix over here, mm. so I, I don't even think people are up early in mornings anymore. They just like they sleep in, or if they are up in the morning, it's just to go to work. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. That's good. Uh, Alex, are you much like? Are you still watching like uh, TV? Film? I never watch TV actually, mm-hmm. like not a regular um, TV mm-hmm. at all. Just shows, pretty much. That's it. Uh, Rich, how's the weather over there, man? Because like summer kind of broke out here. It's warmer. We had a little bit of a thunderstorm and some heavy rain come through, so it cooled mm. off a bit, but that spring weather is definitely here, of course. Excellent. So, Rich, uh, kind of asking why we got you here, man, because uh, I, I remember I was, I was talking to you yesterday, and uh, I was asking you if you want to come on a show real quick. And and you and I'm aware you were saying that you were not that familiar with the whole topic of Game of Thrones and not that familiar with the series, but nevertheless, I thought it would be a good idea to to get like a get like a fantasy expert in here because, because I would definitely consider you as a fantasy expert on on the field. I definitely that. appreciate it. 
Absolutely, and you're always welcome here. And uh, yeah, I, I was asking because uh, Alex and I are trying to figure out how to correctly rank characters. And and I wanted to know, like, like you have written like your first book already, and I think uh, if I correctly read it on Twitter that you're already working on a second book. So so what's important for you when you write characters? Or would you, if you would rank your own written characters, what is what is the important thing to do there? What is uh, what does uh, what makes a good character? You would say. To me, good character development, especially if you really want them to stand out, mm. give them interesting traits. Don't make them bland. Don't don't just generically assign certain things to them. Give them an actual personality, mm -hmm. and then watch them as they go into different events. See how they react. Almost put them on like a, a quadrant or a matrix of their personality and have them act well within the bounds of that. So that way you get more organic reactions to how that character would react, how mm -hmm. they would handle the situation, and then throw certain encounters towards them that really test them and change them and see what may change naturally about their personality mm -hmm. or their mentality to cause character growth. And then gradually or abruptly do that, depending on what the story calls for, and have them go forward. But I, I was always a fan of having interesting characters. You want characters that resonate with the reader. You want them to be relatable, but you also want them to connect with your reader. If you mm -hmm. have a character that just has so many things that doesn't make them relatable, how is someone going to better enjoy, especially if the characters are what drive the plot? Absolutely. Uh, Alex and I, we were just talking about a certain character from Game of Thrones. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Joffrey, uh, the character of Joffrey in Game of Thrones. And we were talking about how, how uh, what, what a great job they did with making us hate someone. Do you have like, do you have like someone like that as well in your book? Like, like a character you just have to hate? And what do you think is like the recipe to, to that? I don't have a character like that yet. Mm. I've got a few, but considering the series has just started and there's nobody that long overarching to hate yet to that level, mm. uh, it's going to be works in progress. But I do plan to have that character that keeps popping up that it's like the reader's going to be like, I detest this person more and more. Because mm. did, did an excellent <laughs> job with Joffrey. Like he, dude, he's a dick. He yeah. is a dick. Everybody <laughs> just unrepentantly hates the guy and for good reason too. <laughs> it sounds like a right man so, so so rich what i'm about to ask you is uh it is a question alex was uh very afraid of uh, me asking because i was <laughs> the, the anticipation was like so big so i'm not gonna do the same stuff with you because i don't, I don't want to scare you but i'm just gonna ask you like uh outright straight nerd fanboy question who who is your favorite character in the whole Game of Thrones series. I'm aware that you're not that familiar with it, but uh, if you would have to pick one, or maybe two. I would have to say they go between uh, Ned Stark mm -hmm. and the Viper, the Red Viper Thorn. Oh, Oberyn nice. Martin. Oh, nice it's, it's Oberyn, right? Yes. I believe so. Mm -hmm. oh, we, we haven't got to him. We have already talked about Ned Stark. Uh, what What is what is the thing that makes him, in your point of view, such a good character? Because we were just talking about him. Uh, I would like to know your your point of view on that. What makes he what was makes he was immensely relatable. Uh, he was a very efficient leader. Mm -hmm. uh, it's unfortunate the way he met his end, which I was like, man, they 
they did my guy like that, but mm-hmm. it kind of his own, I guess, character and honor in a sense worked against him to that regard when you know he was set up and framed. I, I'd like to think that there would been a much more efficient way with Wild to get out of that, but he obviously wouldn't have acted underhandedly. He was he was a man of honor, and that sadly worked against him because he, you know, I. I love characters that have a code of honor about them. Mm-hmm. He was one of the few that did. But most of the other characters I don't care for as much. Well, except Tyrion. Tyrion grew pretty well throughout the series. And then Oberyn Martell, he he struck with me when I was younger and actually – I poked my head in Game of Thrones when I was younger. Like I read the first book. Mm-hmm. I watched the first season. And then obviously people talked about it so much online. You, you could just get – synopsis and cliff notes from people yeah and he despite being super impulsive which i i'm not a very impulsive person but i do respect he had a lot of drive he had a lot of fury he was a man of passion and he just he was going to go out there and he said i'm here to live my life i'm here to do with some flourish and grandiose mm-hmm. and i am not sorry about it at all and i absolutely love that kind of stuff absolutely yeah uh, Alex, what's your take on the uh, on the Viper character? I think it's over in Rattel, yeah. Yes, great character again because yeah, I, I like the writing that he is this sort of aloof master who's just he just doesn't care too much about mm-hmm. the things that happen because he just he, he sees all of it like like an enjoyment. He has just fun with life, you know. Mm-hmm. Especially when he is the the champion for Tyrion, right? Because he's virtually, I mean, he has a reason, a deep reason of revenge to mm. do this. But still, he is risking his own life to fight for someone else, so to speak. Even though he has other intentions, but still, he is just enjoying this kind of thing. He's smiling all the time, even though he's fighting some some huge dude mm. uh, to death, pretty much. And he's always this. It's also in his body language a lot. I think that he's just a chat. Sort of, yeah. Uh, yeah, Chad, and I like this aloof kind of thing that he's just above all of this and he's just he's fine with whatever happens. And this is truly, truly a great display of this character, yeah. We talked about sexuality in, in Game of Thrones and uh, there are many queer characters in Game of Thrones and uh, the one that stuck out to me is, of course, the Viper, Oberyn Martell. He, is, uh, he, he openly reveals his bisexual identity while uh, characters like, for example, Yara Greyjoy or Renly Baratheon, they're like secretly gay. And Oberyn is like, I don't give a fuck. I, I, I basically, yes. I, I fuck what I want. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's like, it, it, it's such a because, uh, Rich, see, we we just talked about this topic that um, actually the most powerful people in in the whole Game of Thrones, for example, like Ned Stark, you never actually get a sex scene, which is interesting because sex is always a little bit associated with power. But Oberyn Martell, he, uh, this is basically our introduction to him. The first thing we see is he screws around with like anything that is there. Anything well said. Yeah, like that. Trying to maintain the political correct uh, language yes. here. Uh, yeah, Rich, what's your take on that? Do you think that sex can be associated with power or um, do you use it maybe as well uh, as a narrative, uh, narrative tool? I would definitely say that it's long been correlated with power and the very act of it 
Uh, some people use it as a show of dominance, which unfortunately is the case with rape when it comes to that too, because it's not necessarily just the act of saying, oh, I'm doing it just to do it. It's because someone's trying to violently and vehemently show dominance through sexual domination and mm-hmm. in the worst way possible too. So naturally on a more consensual level, yes, those that say, well, the more partners that I can rack up because they find me attractive, they're attracted to my power, my status, mm-hmm. how I carry myself, therein lies the correlation to, well, I have power with this. And I, I mean, I will give props to the guy in the, the show for not only he had his main girl give him a whole bunch of children, but mm-hmm. his main girl let other girls come on too. I thought that was cool as shit. <laughs> and the other boys as well, man. <laughs> 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 there was that too i don't care for that as much because that you know i don't go that way but yeah. hey the show was written for other people that they may enjoy that i just that's the aspect i like that he had his, his one main lady i, I forget her name Alaria. i think yeah yeah i and think so i think she was actually the equivalent of like a bastard child like Jon mm-hmm. snow because mm-hmm. she took the last name of sands and i think that's how the whole naming thing works yes. with that yeah exactly but, he was one of the few he was not ashamed to show her around because generally having a bastard child was like a thing of shame and he's like, I'm not ashamed of that, fuck you and he pretty much <laughs> was like, Yeah, this is this is my gal right here and then yeah. you know, she's like, Ooh, there's some other girls here too, let me bring them on and then had him had him a whole bunch of kids. I was like, you know what, for that, I respect that. Yeah, it's a, it's so funny because most of the time something like something like homosexuality is always displayed as some kind of weakness, not not only in, in uh, media, but also in real life. Like every time someone is homosexual, they like automatically uh, go into the victim role. You know, I'm like, I'm like being oppressed and something like that. And then you have such a beautiful yeah. character like Oberyn who deals like the complete opposite way, who is like, yeah, I don't give a fuck. You know, I, I, I fuck what I want, basically. And I think I can respect someone like that more than a heterosexual person who is like insecure or something like that you know yeah yeah anybody i don't care what orientation anybody is Mm. if you display willing a willing weakness and that you're you like being a victim it it translates across the board it doesn't matter what race Mm. creed belief you know orientation or gender that you either born or identify as to stay politically correct if you're if you're willing to be weak you are willing to not take the initiative to make your life better and to always play the victim and take pride in being the victim. I don't care who you are. There's no respect in that, oh, that yeah. lane whatsoever. Absolutely. Uh, Alex, uh, what do you think? Oh, it's always that like uh, homosexuality, homosexuality or bisexuality or whatever it's called um, is always associated with like, with like weakness and victimhood and all stuff. I've, think this is only done by the people who need external validation through social media to put it that mm-hmm. way because i think the people who are truly like homosexual or trans or whatever they don't want anyone to know about this and not because they are ashamed of it i don't i mean maybe in some cases but most cases they just want to be left alone right mm-hmm. and it's always the people who scream the loudest on like social media or the media in general who sort of wear this as some some yeah i don't know kind of shield Hmm. trying to to shield them off other people 
who are not even interested in oppressing them. Nobody cares really what other. I mean, most people don't give a shit what you do with your with your dick. Um, yeah. Most people just don't care, right? But they sort of draw this attention in, and this is what I have discovered that the people who do this. I don't know if they are faking it, maybe not, but they definitely need the external validation and the people who are truly like homosexual or whatever your orientation is, they just want to be left alone and live their life. Yeah. And yeah, this is usually how I think it goes down. And, but uh, again, as you said, I like this as well in, or with this character rather that he just didn't care at all. <laughs> it was just funny. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know, uh, Rich and Alex. I'm gonna ask you both because, uh, as for me, if I would have like a, if I would have like a son, I think uh, Alex is the only one around here who uh, actually is a father. But if I would, ha I would have like a son, and he's like growing up, like 16, 18, or whatever. And uh, if if I would being uh, if I was asked, what would you do if your son was gay? You know, and I would be like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind. If he would turn out like like a character of like Oberyn Martell, like I wouldn't mind for a second. I would mind though if he would be heterosexual but be a pussy. You know, would you? Yes. Would yeah. you? Would you agree with me? I I would agree with that. I the important thing is to have like a substance of character. Like if mm. I had a son and he he was bi or he was gay. I'd be like, look, as long as you're still going to uphold family honor, you're going to continue to in, uh, raise, be raised with the morals and uphold the ones that I instill in you mm. and that you may live an honorable life and that you will take care of your circle and that you're not going to be a coward. You're not going to be you're not going to be a victim. You're not going to live yeah. on your knees. You know, you're going to you're going to stand and die on your feet. Then absolutely. I, you know, he's, he's going to be born however he is. Yeah, I'm still going to love him. He's my blood. You know, True. family is family. So True. as long as he doesn't turn out to be a coward, he doesn't, doesn't pander anybody, and he lives he lives the way he should, yeah. Yeah, because I'm being faced with the character of Oberyn Martell, and I'm like, what am I about to answer if someone like that... Like, it's so interesting because in the first scene of the... When he's being first shown to us in the series... I, I think he's being faced with Tyrion or with Jamie. I don't know who is there. And they are, like, speechless. They don't know what to say to a character like that. Because they're, like, so overwhelmed. Like, like what is this guy? You know? Yeah. And, and, and that's a little bit what I, was, what I was trying to say. Because if I had a son who would act like that, like, what am I about to say uh, against that? There's nothing I can say against that. You know, he's, like, his own king, so to speak. Right? Yeah. And he's, you know, he's very quick to defend the honor of those mm. around him. Like he, he had a hot-blooded temper on him that if uh, his family, especially Ilaria or like any of his daughters, were disgraced, I mean, he'd get up in arms real quick. Yeah. And like that, to me, loyalty, again, it, it's a trait that it doesn't matter what your background is, man. If someone's got your back and they're willing to stand up for your blood and your circle and your friends, mm. that that goes a long way. Absolutely, Alex, would you, yeah, would you agree still... with that? Yes, I I think the difference really here comes because obviously Oberyn is he's not homosexual, he's bisexual, right? So he, uh, he's he's like, he's like everything sexual, I think. Oh, everything, <laughs> yes, all of it's sexual, yes. And yeah, because I think for many men, or like fathers rather, 
what they sort of fear is when they have a homosexual man it's not only the the honors obviously like having a weak son this is one thing if they like turn on to be this person but i think if you raise them properly homosexual or not this shouldn't be an issue but what i think and what i have thought of as well when i thought about this question is that if he's like only homosexual and like only with men then mm. your bloodline sort of dies out right unless you have more children so either you have more like brothers for him or sisters to continue your bloodline or he is bisexual otherwise this will die out and i guess this is the fear some men have but this is also some sort of selfish fear there so i guess yeah yes. if it's i mean yeah as a father myself if he is happy with that and he is still a great man that is because i have seen homosexual men which are much more masculine than some sort of heterosexual guys i've mm. seen mm. so this isn't really the question for me there if he is like a great man still then he can do whatever he wants with that thing <laughs> to put it that way yeah but yeah it's i think for many it is the question of the bloodline dying out i think it's also you said it pretty nice because uh you were starting your sentence and, and you're like well I would be mad if he would be only homosexual. It's like, okay, that's the only thing that defines me, you know. Because many people are like, okay, what's your like your job? Well, I'm homosexual, you know. Like like they they have no yeah. they have no real identity or like purpose in life. Yeah. I think to many people like their sexuality is actually their purpose. Which is tragic to be honest. Yes. You know? Yeah, I agree with that. If he would say the only thing that defines him is that then I would be disappointed. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Because this is not what defines you as a man or as a person even. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah you, you need something else above that. If that is your sexual orientation, okay, fine. This is something you do, mm. but, but what else is in your life? Right. So right. yeah. Uh, Rich, you were yeah, bring... I agree with that too. Yeah. Rich, you, you were bringing up the topic I... of uh, family honor and all that stuff, you know, and, and, and we had like a, uh, the, the last hour we were actually talking like about those apex patriarchs in this show uh but there there are also characters in in game of thrones who aspire to be those patriarchs but they cannot do uh due to uh, certain uh, shortcomings or incapabilities and uh not to make any joke about that but i think the best uh character and i think one of your favorite ones is of course Tyrion lannister uh, dwarf Wait, by dwarf by birth. Is Was that... shortcomings intentionally chosen there as a ward? Or... I'm not gonna. I'm gonna not gonna answer that question. For Rich, Rich, what's that, what's like your take? On it? What makes him? What makes him so likable for you? Because he's a, a very very interesting and intelligently written character. There, of course. Yeah, uh, those are main draws too. But the fact that I, he goes through one of the best growth arcs of the series, mm -hmm. where he starts as very indulgent, very, I wouldn't say too boasting of his own intelligence and wit, but almost to a point to where it rubs people the wrong way and it almost gets him killed. And you don't want to always have to bear your fangs like that. Mm -hmm. But he goes from that to being shamed, to being deluded, to being disillusioned. And then one point in the series, he's just constantly just getting drunk all the time with like a lack yeah. of aim and purpose. And then eventually... Uh, pretty much unfucks himself from himself and comes around and decides that he wants to actually start making change upon the situation that's before him and starts taking up mantle and getting himself into the mix of things 
and becomes someone that he upholds his words. You know, he he genuinely cares about those that he deems worthy to be cared about and shows he indeed upholds his honor, especially by the, the Lannister family code. A Lannister always repairs the vets. So mm. he, he definitely is good to watch in that sense and to to grow into the character. He, he changes. He changes so drastically over time for the better. It's almost like how could you not like that about someone yeah. that comes from that? And, of course, he doesn't have combat prowess, so he has to constantly think, talk, and wit his way in and out of situations mm-hmm. to better maneuver himself and position himself. Yeah, I would actually I would actually disagree with you because I loved him from like season one, episode one there. <laughs> I gotta say. Because there there's this little interaction Tyrion has with uh, Jon Snow. And Tyrion says, uh, let me tell you something, bastard. Never forget what you are, the rest of the world will not. Wear it like an armor, and it can never be yes. used to hurt you. That's such a beautiful thing. And then Jon Snow replies what the hell do you know about being a bastard? And Tyrion goes, all dwarves are bastards in their father's eyes. Boom. Yeah, that's how you That's how yeah. you, so you make someone like, don't you? Yep. That's uh, absolutely beautiful. There was a mic drop right there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, that's like season one, episode one. It's like, wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, the first episode has a lot of like plot already in it. Um, and mm-hmm kind of weird that people don't like it after watching the first episode alone because a lot of shit happens there yeah and you already get introduced to great characters like immediately and especially throwing a punch like that like Tyrion did there i immediately liked him after that scene yeah yeah because he's not like being portrayed as a victim but you know because of course naturally we we care about the hurt animal on the street or something you know because it's it's human you know but um it's not making us root for someone. But if, if we see like someone has like those, those shortcomings, again, not intentional, but uh, yeah. And then we see he, he, he doesn't want our pity. Like he knows how to, how to care about himself. This is what makes us really like him. And uh, Rich, I don't know if you would agree, but uh, Tyrion actually has only one critical weakness he has to overcome. I think I would say he's easily distracted by, by women and alcohol, isn't he? Yes. Oh no, he he definitely is. What is he? The self-proclaimed god of wine and tits, I think. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. He he has that he has that hubris trait, which yeah, it'd be his weakness as well as uh as a few others mm-hmm. in the show too. And you know, it's like if you don't if you don't have that self-control of that, then as we spoke in the the previous episode, we were all on it together. You know, self-control. Mm-hmm is a big defining trait of masculinity. Right. Not to say he's without, but he definitely shows the lack of self-control in the earlier season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Alex, would you agree? Like, like, it's kind of like this character of able to make, make their own luck kind of like this, like the uh, adapt to new circumstance. And then, uh, he kind of amplifies that after, after killing that, um, that whore, he, he attempted to marry or he did marry her. I don't remember it. It's kind of like, uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely matures a lot throughout the mm-hmm. series, I think. And which is where I agree with Rich that his, his development is also very great. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, he's just sort of, yeah, he's just living his, his, his yeah power from his family or his house rather. 
and having all these women and drinking all of that a, a little bit like Baratheon, like um, robert uh, yes Baratheon, yes um where he's just yeah enjoying the the power he has and but throughout the, the series he develops or not what he develops he discovers that he is actually more mature than he thinks he is if he puts in like the effort into being a great man and even great leader as being the hand of the kings or the queen mm. and yeah i truly enjoyed his development as well that he turned from this guy who is just into easy pleasures and cannot really control himself with that even though he is probably more controlled than most men he turns into this man who has himself under control and does even mm -hmm. more other people as well at some point so this was truly a great development you also like the dynamic he has especially him and tywin because tywin is this oh, uh, yeah. tywin is this apex masculine guy and he's like ashamed of having a dwarf as a son and uh yeah, Tyrion kind of tries to. He he's also like actually on trial, uh, like he said, uh, in this great. Uh, that was scene. such a great scene. Absolutely, God damn it. I loved that one yeah, when like, he uh, was on trial there for this. Yeah, so yeah, I'm like I'm guilty of far more. Trophy, right? yes. Yeah, yeah. It's like yes. I'm, I'm guilty of being a dwarf. Um, yes. I've, I've been on trial for that my entire life, and yes, yeah. Rich, what would you say is like the uh, practically. What is what is a good way to like wear your weakness as an armor, so to speak? Just like Tyrion says it, you know, like a like a disability or a weakness. Uh, how does one use it uh, to your own advantage? It's much like the old adage of if you can laugh at yourself before anybody else can, mm. you're damn near impervious to any humor or barbs thrown your way. It's the same thing with any shortcoming. The the start you have to address the shortcoming with yourself and i mean you have to really dig deep at it like what what about you hurts you the most then acknowledge it and really get comfortable with it and just go okay this is a big shortcoming of mine i want to a work at it if i can b if there if it's something i cannot change then i'm going to proudly accept it and a lot of people go the way of fuck it, i'm just gonna make i'm gonna make fun of it in the sense of to do it for a sense of levity and to make light of it it's that mm -hmm. way it other people can see, oh, this doesn't really bother me. It's not like putting an elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. There's no tension. And, you know, like an example, someone who, like, loses an arm or a leg. Well, there are a lot of people nowadays that they, they proudly show that. And they go, hey, I lost a limb for whatever reason. Most most I've seen combat vets. And they show that life goes on beyond just losing an arm and a leg. Mm -hmm. And they, they just make stuff happen. There's actually... Uh, an athlete named Derek Wyda, he's a really well-known one in the military and the, the fitness community. He was a, he was an army vet that lost one of his legs and it, it messed him up for a good few years. Like, he didn't know what to do. You know, he, all he wanted to do was be in the army, go out, kick ass and take names. And so when he lost his leg, he got into the CrossFit community, started competing, started winning. And then from there, he just constantly put back out and say, Hey, you know, I've struggled with this before, mm -hmm. but I'm still going to, you know, make light of it, make jokes and show that life's worth living beyond a tragedy that happened. Absolutely. Would you, Rich, would you say that, uh, being a man, it's your responsibility to compensate for if, if, if you have a disability, you know, because I would say that Tyrion wasn't born an intelligent man. He had to learn wit and game and all of that. 
it kind of, I believe, compensates for it. Do you think it's your responsibility if you are like disabled in some way to to compensate for it yourself? Yes. Yeah. Mm. Without without a doubt, mm. it, it is on you to find a way to compensate and shore up that weakness and make it a strength of yours without overcompensating. There's a fine line between that. There's a fine mm -hmm. line between making sure that you you're acknowledging what is weaker deficient in you and making it into a strength that you will work on versus, well, I'm just going to be overtly flagrant about what I have and just go over the top with it to the point where people are like, okay, yeah, what are you covering up for, buddy? And yeah. it's a fine line you got to ride. <laughs> but yes, I do believe without a doubt, it is, it is up to a man to step up and say, Hey, this is, This is where I'm deficient. This is something I need to overcome or at least live with and be real about it. Yeah. Uh, Alex, where, where do you see this, uh, this fine line between you know, disabled and compensating and overcompensating it? Well, it's difficult. And I guess it's also like different for any sort of person. Mm. For some, really depending on what sort of shortcoming they have, it works better to be crazier with it for some you should be more restrained hmm. but in general um i definitely think and i agree with that if you have some sort of shortcoming from the let's call it the norm of what people like hmm. um or enjoy then you have to make up for it if you want to be successful in any sort of regard it's also i usually don't like to pick up artist guys right but they have one thing right when they say that if you are a shorter guy then you have to be more flamboyant to actually make like mm -hmm. to get yeah, to be noticed by women right yeah. because the tall guy obviously gets noticed immediately and if you are not then you have to make up for it and this is pretty much the exact same thing if you have any sort of shortcoming you somehow have to make up for it yes but don't get too crazy about it otherwise otherwise it just seems like silly mm -hmm. absolutely there's also Tyrion's elder brother jamie lannister we we already talked about him rich But uh, I think now is a good time to just uh, kind of like do a little callback there. Uh, because after being kidnapped, he, he, he starts off as like this apex patriarch like his father. But when Jamie gets his hand chopped off and he wears this metal golden hand in replacement of his own hand, uh, he's, he's now kind of emasculated and becomes uh, another half man, so to speak, like his brother Tyrion. And it's interesting what he does when he... He struggles and he loses, he suddenly loses his power, you know. It's like a nice arc there as well. What's like your take on his arc? I don't know that much about mm -hmm. Jamie, but I would imagine if that's what he, he struggles with. Uh, the, the cliff notes and the summaries I've gotten from people, obviously, you know, internet spoiling sure. characters and the like. It sounds like he became a better person later on in the series. Now, granted, I don't get behind the incest shit. They they could they yeah. can have that all they want. That ain't me. <laughs> But <laughs> I hear he becomes a better character overall. He becomes a lot more kind. He becomes a lot more understanding as time goes on. It's not to say he was ever dishonorable, but he adheres more to it as time goes on from what I grasp. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, Alex, what's your take on 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 that? Like, do, do you think Jamie dealt uh, well with his uh, emasculation? Yeah, I think so. He 
he did it quite well. I mean, in the beginning, obviously, I thought a little bit that he's just being yeah, too crazy yeah. about it. But then again, if you lose an arm, I mean, maybe it is kind of tough. It's like kind of, kind <laughs> of, like, kind of like having, a, kind of having a breakdown at first. And I think it's relatable. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course. But at first, he's like completely crippling, depressed because of it, and mm. like, um. I, yeah, I guess it went a bit too crazy, but I guess it's intentional because it just shows you how much of his own personality he actually actually relayed onto his ability to fight, mm. you know, mm. and his arm really, which was then completely taken from it. And as I said before, he then needs to learn to rediscover that he is not his arm or just his arm; he's a whole person, and he does this quite well actually later. Oh yeah, except for the last season, as we mentioned. Mm. <laughs> Uh, another great character, I would say, where um, I'd say it's like not not want to say disabled, because Jon Snow is uh, also unlike other characters. He has no disability or like physical shortcoming. He's actually a pretty uh, strong and handsome man, if if you can say that. But uh, he has a different kind of problem. Uh, despite being the son of Ned Stark, he has this reputation of being the bastard son of of Ned Stark. And this is something that haunts him throughout his life, which is very interesting. He's uh, he's already like uh, he's always reminded of his past, of his heritage. I just like uh, in the interaction I just quoted between Tyrion and him. Let me tell you something, bastard. Never forget what you are. The rest of the world will not wear it like an armor. Um, yeah, you know the the, the thing is again what I find interesting because I don't know why we kind of. We kind of circle around the topic of sexuality here, but I find it really interesting because John is strong, handsome, heterosexual, though asexual at first. Uh, is there is there like some sort of guilt issues or something like that, Rich? Uh, what's your take on on Jon Snow uh, in, in in general? I would say, in the beginning, his withdrawn, kind of observant nature probably stems from the shame he received in the stigma around being mm-hmm. a bastard child early on. And then through his experiences between the night watch and having to return to his family to handle the white walkers and the claim for the throne and the like, it, it forces him to rise above beyond his station of what he perceives himself as. And he kind of has a moment with himself where he goes, well, am I still just a bastard child or mm-hmm. am I still linked to the Stark family and Winterfell needs me as well as the Seven Kingdoms do to aid in not only the the war for the throne but as well dealing with the Christ of the White Walkers threatening our our very lives Mm -hmm. and he kind of throws caution out the window with that and kind of moves past that to to step up into a more heroic role yeah absolutely Uh, Alex what's your take on on, on him I I believe he's uh for many people or he has been for many people uh, kind of like a favorite character or the everyday guy if you will uh so what's your take on him alex i I was going to say that because i like this that he is born the sort of bastard son because he is not royal in any way Hmm. um even though he lives with a royal family but it's not due to his bloodline or his except of course until we discover later that he is but in the beginning he's this regular guy pretty much so everyone can relate to him And I like his progress then that he discovers that there is more in him than just the label he has 
that has been put on him being a bastard son or being a snow and i think this is really just a display of what most men go through in real life that they have these labels on them that they are regular people a regular person a regular man not something crazy and if they manage to discover that there's actually more to them and they can do more and they have more in them and might even be riding dragons right as Jon mm. Snow does it in Game of Thrones there is a lot of power in man and this is why I, what I liked about his character he's sort of this this man who isn't much in the beginning but discovers that he can be much more and this is truly yeah. what I, I liked yeah. about this character arc it's kind of like a, he starts to embrace himself who he is yes. during the show again uh, I don't know why I always come back, but, but I keep being reminded of, of of those sex scenes there are because just like just like Ned Stark, uh, his father, he's like pretty um, he's like pretty asexual throughout the series, and when he starts to 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 date this whiteling girl, he kind of also starts to you know he kind of grows. You can see it in the beginning. He's like a, he's like a shy boy. And after that, he like metaphorically becomes a man as well. You know, he he becomes this powerful leader with with this strong heterosexual identity and this leadership identity, and his bastard bastard reputation kind of fades away. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, but great point. Um, he is still one of the masculine guys who isn't too much bothered about laying women. Yeah. In yeah. in this in the show, and which is rare in the show. But also, as I mentioned before, a great display of not only just self-restraint, but also having higher goals than just, yeah, getting mm. some pussy. So this is truly also, in the beginning, it seems almost like he is like an incel, like he cannot <laughs> get mm. it. But you notice pretty quickly throughout the, his development that he's just not interested in that too much. He has just higher goals, like yeah. getting rid of his reputation as being the bastard son and finally meeting his destiny so to speak he's also he's almost seeing like sex as a um temptation more than fun yeah. he's always like trying to refuse and ah, i don't want to i don't want to as it's like the until the end he, he actually does but yeah yeah it's interesting uh how he has like a complete different perspective as for example i don't know the viper Oberon martell who's like yeah. uh, openly displays it and john is like mm, yeah i don't know you know, it's, it's like an interesting shift of character there. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, um, before I ask, where's Ed Sheeran? Because uh, <laughs> it's like mostly. <laughs> oh, God. It's like, I, Rich, I don't know if you have. Uh, you said you're not that familiar, but, but you probably know that Ed Sheeran has been uh, has had his cameo in the show. Actually, I didn't. Hmm. Yeah, he has. Like, I believe it's in season seven. Wait just randomly turns up and it's so distracting man <laughs> i actually hated that because um you see this is we talked about this when we were talking about star wars and uh, your mama joke uh, in yeah. newest uh, ep episodes yeah which i told you pulled me completely out of the experience of this universe and it was the same seeing ed sheeran in game of thrones because that just told me again that this isn't uh, real. I mean, obviously it isn't, but when you're watching it, you are like sort of immersed into this whole yeah. scenario and this whole world of Westeros, right? And then you see Ed Sheeran, this this weird <laughs> dude, 
And you're like, what the hell, man? This, what is he doing there? This is just bullshit. And yeah, this there was. I think this was actually a very bad decision. I, I know people liked it because it was funny. I think it was stupid in the sense of like writing and the show itself. I mean, and obviously they had, they had him. Uh, they needed him to sing a song there as well. Like yeah, yeah of course. F- fucking course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alex, what do you what do you rank at Sheeran amongst those other characters? I don't, no, know, I, don't, I don't even know his name in this series, but yeah. I was going to say, what's his name as a, as a character? <laughs> I think he has one. Or is it Ed? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Dude, Rich, Rich, if you haven't seen it, like, just go on YouTube and, uh, and, and look for like, Ed Sheeran cameo in, in Game of Thrones. It's just so hilarious because it's not actually a funny scene, but if you, if you see it like, without context, it's, like, it just looks like a weird cosplay there, to be honest. it's like it pulls okay so with like tv and entertainment it's suspend your disbelief yeah well then they suspend your suspending of disbelief when they do something (laughs) like that and you're like oh now i'm pulled back to reality i'm I'm not having fun anymore yes exactly (laughs) yeah that's a little bit about the whole uh meta thing because i sometimes uh rich i don't know about you but you know, I was never being exposed to a show like Game of Thrones before, where they were using like uh, I would say R-rated language, if you will, because I was I was growing up with like Lord of the Rings and stuff, and then I was watching the first episode of Game of Thrones, and I was it, just like you said, like suspension of disbelief. I was so I get out of the experience. I was like, am I watching a TV show? Why is where are people? Uh, where are kings? using words like fuck and stuff like that you know is it like uh, normal for you or is it also something that gets you out of the experience a little bit it's it's half and half depending Mm. on the tone set it can make sense in some things obviously they they go on the heavy side of it to the point where it seems like it almost pull you out of the experience but if done well done tactfully then I think it works, but like you, I also have that side that generally in fantasy they have they have a, a much cleaner prose mm-hmm. when they have dialogue. It's something I just grew up along. So generally, yeah, like in fantasy, you're not going to hear a lot of swearing, or at least one wouldn't think they would. Yeah. And if they do, it's probably like in a dark fantasy setting where things are a lot more gritty or mm-hmm. or just uh, overall more vulgar. Yeah, for some reason it's kind of it kind of comes up to me as modern you know i don't know why but i associate this r-rated language with extremely modern stuff so it's so it kind of gets me out of the experience when i see this in like a medieval setting some way i don't know why yeah uh alex what's your what's your take on that on, on the whole like on the whole like the, the way the language is is forged there it didn't actually occur to me uh, to me in that sort of regard. I mean, you kind of get you kind of get used to it, you know, from from time. Yeah, I but, guess. but the first episode yeah. was so. Oh my god, what am I watching here, man? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. There was kind of a lot of that in there. And thinking about it, it doesn't make too much sense with Game of Thrones, right? Because in the end, this is still some sort of a classic royal sort of language they would be using, mm. especially if higher languages like. Uh, What's it called again? Uh, Never mind. Yeah. They have high languages which are very difficult, and then you wouldn't think they would 
talk in this vulgar language, right? Especially like the big houses, like mm -hmm. the Starks and the Lannisters. So it is a bit weird, yes. And like, it didn't pull me out of the experience like your mama jokes do, but um, it's still a bit, yeah, misplaced, I think. Yeah, I would agree. Absolutely, yeah. By the way, guys, uh, the, the Night King, toxic masculinity over there. He, li he literally does nothing. He just walks around and resurrects people from the dead. So definitely a bad example there. Yeah, what a waste. Yeah, what a waste. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, I'm afraid we're out of time. Uh, we're definitely going to do a uh, two-part series out of it. Yes, uh, absolutely. Rich, uh, it was so nice. Uh, I was so surprised at you that you said yes yesterday to, to just like uh, casually coming onto the show. Uh, it's it's always nice to have you on. Rich, are there like any news from the Metal Shogun over there? Like uh, maybe anything related to your second book? Anything you you don't share with your Twitter followers, but only with the with the precious Red Smoke audience? Any anything new to come? Second book's well underway. Mm. I was actually working on it a little bit this morning, so it, it, progress is definitely coming through. Other than that, I've just been kind of low key, uh, making making some moves with the family. Mm -hmm. So it's been it's been good stuff. A lot of a lot of things starting to, to line up to become more efficient. The last month's been kind of busy. So usually when I, I, I get in the sauce with things, I, I kind of just keep low key, but there's some good things coming on the horizon. Even more the reason to, to say thanks for, for, for coming on tonight, even though you've been so, so busy, still got the, still got to made some time to, to come on. So it's a pleasure, Rich. Oh, fair, likewise, fair. likewise. I, I, I require little to no prep, man. You, you just give me the top of what you're on. I'll, I'll jump in and, Top it up with the with the best of you. Yeah, see, bro. I I, I was I was writing it on on uh, on Twitter the other day that it's it's so funny when you when you when you get someone like you on a call, it's like after after two three minutes, like you're your best friends, stuff like that. It's it's, it's <laughs> something, yes. something very 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 nice about you about the way you talk about the way you quickly adapt to a to a conversation. I always get the impression when you are joining us. Yeah. It's for me. It's just organic. I. I'm a. I don't overthink conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm very natural. I just it's just an almost intuitive kind of people skills. I've always been good with people mm -hmm. and continuously just worked on it. So I mean, to me, it's just making conversation and just joining in on something with people. It's just it's almost second nature to me. And I usually I'm pretty I'm pretty easy to talk to. I, I don't I don't try to put myself off as like very tension making or you know, very hard to approach. I, I like being easy going with people and just, I don't know. I'm, I'm a people person at heart. That's just how I am. Obviously, I'd say that makes a, makes a perfect podcast guest, to be honest. Like, this is like the, sorry if I'm, I'm saying this like outright, but yeah, attributes like that make for a perfect podcast guest. Absolutely. Yes. I've definitely. been told by people that they're like, you need to, you need to start doing your own video series, but I, I want to wait till I'll, I have more time to dedicate to that because I know I'm going to want to go uh, just all out balls in with it. But hey, yeah, sure. you know, I like to the jump on other shows and just be able to talk with people. Mm -hmm. Like I, lo I love doing this. It's nice. You should definitely do that, man. Do, do, do you have like any concept yet about like the, the you said like a video series because I was like, like seeing, I was seeing you casually drop like uh, little short snippets, little short videos when you have like a thought popping up in your head and you just like post it on Twitter. Uh, are we talking about something like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I, it may it may be something like where I've gone in the past where I just go on Periscope and do something. But right. I was thinking of maybe doing half like live live vlogging, like lifestyle, because I do travel a lot and I mm. love people being able to see my travel videos. And obviously, like people that they've watched those, have been met with pretty good reception. Mm. So it may be like a mix of that and just kind of like a the whole hey, this is what I'm doing today, or just like oh, this is a topic that popped in my head and just and just rip off it, just whatever comes to mind not really i don't really have anything planned i'm not trying to be like hey what's up youtube it's me again <laughs> we're, we're about to get into it and give like a 10 minute intro in a video and only have like five minutes of content like I'm, no i hate that <laughs> I, just, I just want to load the video book and just go hey let's get to it boom and you just you get into it <laughs> hey rich alex and i am, are gonna come personally for you if you're gonna If you're gonna start a YouTube channel like that with like 10, 10 minute intro and sponsoring and all this, I just continuously add this filler dialogue in there for no reason. Please, for the love of God, come for me and shut my camera down. <laughs> we're gonna come for you, man. Don't worry about. It. We, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna hold you accountable to that. Absolutely. Yes. Now, Rich, I, I'd love to see more of you. I think that's a. I think you're kind of like talking about like a vlog thing. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. I think you can call it like that. I think you're uh I think you're a perfect person for that. I'd love to see more of that. I'd love to see Try more to of you. I'd love to see more of your traveling stuff in there. I think that's a good that's a good idea. Definitely. All right. Um okay Rich, I'm I'm gonna call it a day. I'm gonna end the stream right here. I'm gonna do a second part. You of course are uh, welcome to join the second part. We have like maybe 20% of all the characters in Game of Thrones covered yes. so far and like I still have some work to do so if you want to you I can was going to say if I, if I yeah, can interrupt sure, quickly sure. Um, uh, even though Tyrion Lannister is on the cover of this episode we didn't talk too much about him but oh, this yeah. is classic Red Smoke so I'm this not is, surprised this is a clickbait um, yeah <laughs> this is definitely yeah We fooled, we fooled the audience. Uh, Rich, Rich, take don't take notes for your upcoming YouTube channel this is not how you should do it man <laughs> I mean, I don't think there's really a formulaic way to do it. As far as you just, you put content up, people like it, they watch. The more they watch, uh, the more it grows, so on and so forth. That, mm. that whole jazz. Absolutely, yeah. yes. Now, Richard, I think you're going to do fine. And by the time you will do that, I think you'll gain even more followers. I'm, I've seen you growing and uh, your Twitter following grows from, from day to day. So I think the more you have, your followers have, the more this whole vlog thing, uh, thing uh, makes sense as well. Oh, certainly have some yeah. uh, viewers there. I'm sure about that. All right, then. Uh, yeah, let's call it a day. Maybe we see each other next week. And uh, again, thanks, Rich, for coming on. And sorry, guys, about the Tywin um, thumbnail. <laughs> but I'm not going to change it. And I don't want to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Okay. See you next week.